Hey y'all, this is Byron. I uh, just want to put something out there. Yes, I am a mental health therapist. And yes, my couch is quite comfortable. However, if you're listening to this podcast, it is not a substitute for a therapeutic relationship with a certified or licensed mental health therapist. So though I appreciate you taking the time out to listen to me and hopefully gain some information and insight about what's going on with you from listening to this podcast, Take the time to seek out mental health resources in your area if you so need to. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. High school was a time of sort of seeking a place and really not finding it. The outsiderness, if you will, that he carried with him through his life really started there. I really had no direction because when your mother's working three jobs and if you have no father, it's very difficult to have any type of focus on anything that you want to do. I had to go to summer school to graduate, and after that, I was living at home, no job, no nothing. When I did get a job, I worked at the airport. Every night, I mopped floors, wiped windows, whatever I had to do to clean the airport. That was like the beginning of the end for me. When he was a janitor at the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, he stole a bunch of watches by sticking his broom in through one of these grates. And so he cleared out about 50 watches from an airport store. Not knowing the fact that they had cameras everywhere, you know, stupid me, what they call it, the dumbest criminals. <laughs> so I, was, I was one of those guys. When I took the watches, all I did was give them away. I didn't even sell them. I was trying to please people. I said, man, here's a watch, here's a watch, here's a watch, here's a watch. I think maybe because I just wanted people to like me. And that's kind of the earliest sign of the overly generous Dennis who tried to find a way to maybe influence people to like him in ways that weren't always uh, productive. I'm in airport jail. <laughs> Can you believe that? Airport jail. They kept him overnight, and I think that scared him out of his wits. I think he cried, I don't know. Blubbering like a baby, I don't know. <laughs> oh man, I was such a <laughs> I just cried for no reason. I think it did, I think it scared him to the core. It was one of those times where it's like, wow, I really screwed up this time. You know, that's not a game anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome back to The Captain's Couch. I'm your host, Byron Taylor. Thank you guys again so much for coming back and checking out the show once again this week. As I come back to you, a humble and bitter and saddened man, as my Tampa Bay Buccaneers once again fell on their face today and lost to the Tennessee Titans. So shout out to the homie, uh, Brian, as well as uh, LJ90, Justin from uh, the Three Fists Podcast, who I know are both... Uh, avid titan fans um congratulations on your win um hopefully y'all guys figure out what's going on with your quarterback situation i don't know what the future looks like for marcus Mariota, but i know that myself and with Jameis winston i am like so over it but i also would not be shocked if they bring Jameis back next year at least on the franchise tag and draft the quarterback and see what happens but yeah anyway 
So we're not here on the podcast to talk about football as much as I love talking about sports and love talking about football as the NBA is also back. And uh, my Rockets are a one and one to start the season out um, as the Russell Westbrook James Harden experience is um, getting ready to take shape. Uh, shout out to Harden slamming the ball on the court and immediately smacking himself in the face and receiving instant karma last night during the game. Um, extra shout out to Josh Hart of the uh, New Orleans Pelicans that if you listen to this podcast and go search on Twitter for that gif of Harden slamming the ball and then Josh Hart's reaction to it was absolutely priceless. <laughs> Josh Hart was like, wait, like, bro, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> he didn't want to laugh at the man's face, but you could tell the look on his face. He was like, dog, what are you doing, bro? You wildin'. Oh, man. But, I mean, I guess we can talk about basketball a little bit today because, as you can hear from the clip to start the episode this week, we are going to discuss a little bit a um, Pro Basketball Hall of Famer today in the episode. Um, so, this week's episode. We're going to be talking about the concept of validation, whether that be internal or external. Um, so validation is one of those things that as human beings, it is something that we absolutely crave as a species. Um, we don't ever tend to think about it that we as human beings are animals, that, you know, our behavior is dictated by you know basic instincts and things that we need as you know animals because we also look at ourselves as in, as creatures of higher thought higher consciousness higher uh levels of functioning which is true but we also have basic needs and one of those basic needs as social creatures as pack creatures is validation whether that be from ourselves or from other people so validation in and of itself is a normal and a natural human need that comes from our origins as social beings. Um, we as human beings are not really meant to live alone, which is why if you look at you know the prison system and stuff like that, uh, solitary confinement is so emotionally, mentally, and psychologically difficult on inmates because human beings thrive on our need to be around other people you know that's from let's look at it from the standpoint of a baby right so babies learn basic functioning whether it be learning uh whether they be learning how to walk talk eat they learn these things from the adults in their lives who model those behaviors to them they we as a as parents teach our kids how to use the bathroom, how to talk by talking to them and around them, um, teach them to eat by providing them food and feeding them the, and feeding themselves, feeding them for themselves first. And then by monitoring and supervising how they feed themselves as they get older and they have the, the motor skills in order to eat. Um, one of those things that comes with validation is our need for social acceptance. Um, acceptance from our peer group would uh, is literally a matter of life and death, especially like back in the day. Um, a person who had to survive on their own had a much less probability of being able to survive and get, you know, whatever resources they needed from um, nature um, if they weren't involved in a pack. Um, nowadays, where we have, you know, advanced society and all those things we thrive on social interaction in order to connect with people in order to build relationships uh whether that be personal professional familial uh romantic relationships so those things are important to us um but here's the thing that when it comes to validation is learning to kind of balance the difference between internal and external um, it's not a bad thing to care about what others think about you. And it's definitely not, um, you know, as much as rebellious as somebody like Dennis Rodman, for example, who we are, I'll probably actually talk about a good bit, uh, in the episode today as an example today. Um, 
I'll say this. When you listen to this episode, if you have not watched the ESPN 30 for 30 about Dennis Rodman, listen to my episode and then go watch the 30 for 30. It is an it is an incredible examination of Rodman's life and his career and how his life kind of he's been in search of a place in in society, whether that be as a person, as a man, whether that be as a teammate, whether that be as a son or a father. He's been on the constant search for his place in the universe and he struggled to find it um, in a myriad of different ways. Um, but one thing that we have to we have to look at um, is that having a healthy mentality also means that you don't overemphasize the importance of other people's opinions about yourself. When you place too much value on what other people think about you, this can become an ingrained need for external validation. So external validation means that you are getting your feelings of self-worth based on sources outside of yourself. Internal validation means that you are gaining your sense of self-worth based on the the opinions that you have of yourself. Um, One of the issues with having an over-reliance on external, uh, external validation is that when other people inevitably come up with something to criticize you about, you may have a difficult time mentally getting past the critique and dismiss any positive thoughts you have about yourself. So we'll start the episode off focusing on external validation and how that can become a toxic thing for people, for yourselves, for ourselves as as individuals. So it's definitely a thing where, and it's I have a client who struggles with people criticizing her, and whether that be her parents or her teachers or her friends, she is constantly seeking people to like her. But the hard part uh, about that is, is that when the criticism comes, that's when she melts down. She doesn't know how to handle the criticism. Uh, one thing that we've we've talked about in therapy is being too attached to praise. Um, when you are constantly doing things to get praise from people, whether that be in a good job or, oh, yo, that's really cool or that's awesome, it becomes a problem because when you're doing things that are inappropriate in public settings, it's natural for people to, to criticize the actions that you're taking. So what my client struggles at is this. When you value positive qualities that you have, that you know you have, you feel buffered by a strong sense of internal confidence that isn't going to be destroyed by one critical opinion or even 10. Um, I'll also go on, go over later on how we can and continue to increase our internal validation. But one of the main things that buffer us from criticism or the strong desire to have constant in external validation is a strong sense of self-confidence, self-worth, and your ability to kind of reinforce the opinions that you have about yourself. Um, so if you are able to receive a valid conf- uh, critique while dismissing the parts that you know and feel confident are unfair criticisms, you recognize that other people's opinions and expertise can help you grow and get better at what you're doing. And this is something that I still struggle with at times and I get a bit defensive when it comes to criticism, but I've I've done a little bit better job of being able to not appear as angry or as um, upset at criticism if I receive it from people. Uh, Receiving criticism is an important skill to master when working on the right balance of internal and external validation. But there are many times where we have to navigate those feelings. These struggles show up in our relationships. Um, And this is something that I'm constantly working on in this new relationship is that if I'm constantly wanting her approval, and I'm constantly wanting to do things that are kind and generous and nice for her. And sometimes I have to do a better job of listening more of what she wants 
and not feel like, okay, she may be criticizing me because I might not have did something correct that she might have wanted as opposed to, okay, I want to do all these things constantly to make her happy, make her happy, make her happy, make her happy. It's like, hey, you know, the action that you think would make me happy may not be the thing to make me happy if you listen instead of thinking in, in your mind what would be the way to gain validation from me as opposed to listening to exactly to exactly what I'm wanting. And that's something that is a, a struggle that I'm having to break out of because in a new situation where I'm in a new situation where I'm coming off of the heels of being in a situation where I had to constantly feel like being the motive of a people pleaser. And that's something Dennis Robin talked about um, was some of the reason that he took the watches was people pleasing is one of those things where you're seeking external validation from someone and also, when it comes to seeking external validation in that aspect, you're doing it in a way to prevent yourself from being emotionally hurt by that person or emotionally hurt by letting down that person. So you're overextending yourself in a way that causes you damage, emotional damage over time. Um, so sometimes dealing with criticism is vital and it's important where being able to search through those feelings and understand that the criticism and the critique can be productive and it can be necessary, but at the same time, not focusing so much on the negative feelings that you feel from the criticism, but actually listening to the critique itself. Um, so we'll come back to internal validation and how to work on and valid, uh, validating ourselves more over time. So we're going to go through this three-part blog series. So the, it is entitled Attention Trap. Um, it is by Dr. Jennifer Cromberg, and it's from Psychology Today. Uh, part one is narcissism, validation, and self-worth. Um, love and self-worth can come from external or internal sources. So... It starts off by saying, picture yourself at a party. If you're Dennis Robin, especially, picture yourself at a party, right? Uh, what do you do? You scan the room looking for somebody to flirt with. And of course, you're Dennis Robin. There's plenty of people to flirt with. You know, you have plenty of money. You're a five-time NBA champion. Um, soon to be Hall of Famer. Um, and nobody really flirts with you. And this is something that you felt early on in your age, early on in life, where you felt like people women wouldn't necessarily be attracted to you because you know you've got you're not not the best of looks you don't really exactly know who you are as a person you don't have a lot going for you but now you have all the things going for you you know you got all that stuff so do you feel less desirable if nobody flirts with you do you feel like do you feel best when people or when someone flirting with somebody who you know, is attracted to someone else in the room. That is actually interesting. Do you feel best when you're flirting with a person whom you know is attracted to someone else in the room? Well, somebody else in the room could be feeling that way because Dennis Rodman's in the room. And it's like, oh my God, like this girl is out of my league, but I feel like she's going to start flirting with Rodman at some point. Well, if you ask yes to any of these questions, you may have fallen into an attention trap. Um, so one of those things with attention is... It, if enough of your validation comes from external sources, from attention, it can become an addiction. Um, believe it or not, you can see this attention addiction in a lot of our online behaviors, which is actually true with some of our social media habits, especially with things like Facebook and Instagram, where we're constantly putting ourselves on display and, you know, constantly looking for likes and stuff like that which is why if you notice instagram is trying to shy away from putting the numbers of likes that people get on their pictures and stuff like that um researchers from the university of kentucky published an article describing how narcissists and non-narcissists represent themselves in internet profiles and communication so of course people who are narcissistic intentionally display self sexy or self-promoting pictures um on their Facebook profile pages, 
but they're less likely to use those sexy pictures when uh, they had promoted themselves and the rest of their profile. Um, if they didn't cry for attention with their words, they were less likely to cry for attention. I mean, they were more likely to cry for attention with their pictures. So I talked about uh, my client. Um, now, of course, she's certainly not of age to be crying for attention through pictures, through sexy and racy pictures. But she does do so in words. And one of those reasons and one of those ways that she does so tries to get attention through words is often lying lying about aspects of herself or things that she may be involved in in order to get people to like her or to get attention from other people um further research shows that the effects of narcissistic attention seeking form uh attention seeking is a form of band-aiding the self in comparison with um internal experience of self-esteem so the research looked at using kind of social media habits as a way of kind of putting a band-aid on yourself as getting more and more people to constantly look at me constantly look at me constantly look at me as a way to kind of repair the self as opposed to actually seeking out internal self-esteem um Basically, narcissistic people feel like that they themselves are the only person in the situation that is awesome, where people who have high self-esteem are more likely to feel like that they and their romantic partners were awesome. Self-esteem builds community, where narcissistic attention rips it down. So let's look at like a guy. Let's look at a guy like Robin. Um, in a lot of ways, this Robin could have been seen as narcissistic. Um, the 30 for 30 is like a very telling um, kind of sense of the the man that he was. Uh, so believe it or not, Rodman was like a late bloomer when he came to basketball. Um, when he was like 19, 19, 20 years old, he had like a humongous growth spurt that led him to be 6'9". And then that's when he really got going with his basketball career. He went to a small school. Um, and eventually made it to the NBA. So when he was in Detroit, he was more of more at the beginning of it, at the beginning of the situation in Detroit, he was much more of a guy who was accepting of the love and the support that he was getting from his teammates and from the community around him and the organization of the Pistons over time as things kind of broke down and, um, Isaiah Thomas talked about it in the 30 for 30 where like, you know, no, John Sally talked about it. John Sally was like, well, Dennis, you know, kind of had this impression that things were just going to constantly be this way, not knowing that it's a business and that ultimately things are going to fall apart. Things are going to break down. And as they did, and as Chuck Daly got, you know, Chuck Daly resigned and key parts of the of the, the back-to-back championship teams uh, left, um, Dennis started falling apart. And in Detroit, you know, and Isaiah Thomas, it was a, it was a different clip that I actually thought about um, adding to the episode, um, but I'm not going to do that. But Isaiah talked about how he felt like Dennis was never going to get the unconditional love and support that he felt from his teammates in Detroit anywhere else in the league. And he was right. So we get the kind of contrast of the love and loving community that he was in in Detroit to when he goes to San Antonio, it becomes all about Dennis. And that's where we start seeing the, the different color hair and a lot of the bad behavior that we know of Dennis Rodman. Um, it went from being all about the team to being all really a lot about Dennis. So we look at like the thing, like the article says here that narcissists, tend to see just themselves as awesome and not themselves and their romantic partners as awesome. And that's the theme that we can see with Robin constantly is that he saw himself in moments of being awesome, but the people around him, it didn't really transfer over, whether that be his kids or his relationship with his mom or his teammates in a lot of ways. Um, A lot of 
what he did was to garner attention for himself and not so much for others. And he was very generous. He was extremely generous. And let's go on to part two of the validation trap. And that is validation competition. So social trap. If someone else gets attention, does that mean you get less? And I can imagine with Rodman that this is something that he might have been going through. Because, I mean, obviously, you're in the NBA. And you get to Chicago, you're, you know, playing with the greatest conceivably basketball player of all time. And the greatest sidekick of all time. And you're being coached by, like, the greatest coach of all time. So, I mean, Dennis was doing all kinds of stuff to get attention when he was in Chicago. You know, with the wedding dress and the book and all the different color hair and, you know, the the wild parties with uh, members of the LGBTQ community. Um, so socially, he's trying to still find his place in the world. Um, and that's something that we'll look at this here. So um, Dr. Comberg, I did get that right. Yeah, I did get that right. Yay. So Dr. Gomberg talks about this. In my practice, I see I see many people struggle with this question, or if not the question itself, but the unconscious answer of yes. Because this person gets gets attention, do I get less? And that's one of those things. Um, I have two brothers that I'm working with, um, and I've had the conversation with one of them. And I think both of them may feel this to a degree, a bit of jealousy towards the other that one gets more attention than the other. Um, If one person is getting attention and approval and adoration, then I'm not. Um, When someone gets attention, it makes other people feel threatened. So psychologists call this a social trap. So in the short term, I might fight for attention and try to win and I might lose but I'm trying to siphon attention into my own container as opposed to letting less of it kind of get in from the overall pool instead of sharing attention with others um, because other people may need attention not just yourself you are trying to maximize and actually pull as much attention as possible for yourself so that other people don't get it. Um, eventually, there is not much for either of us to win. So when two people fight for attention, both people end up losing in the long run. So it's like a drug. Short-term pleasure leads to long-term pain. Um, and that's something I definitely could have seen with Rodman. Um, he found himself in a lot of different scenarios that it was like what are you doing here dude like but it was in a means to get validation from people um the so after the clip that i put in at the beginning of the, of the show um dennis robin's mom puts him out because he's like 20 years old he just got arrested he's got nothing going for him so at that point it's perfectly understandable that his mom would be like all right well look you can't stay here no more son but for Dennis, it put an incredible rift in his relationship with his mom because he felt like she abandoned him when she's like, I didn't abandon him. He was 20 years old. You know, he needed to go get his life together and get it and do it on his own. Like I couldn't do it for him. So mom was not wrong at all for doing so. But for Dennis, that was attention and it was validation that he needed that he was no longer getting. So eventually he finds himself living with a knowingly and very openly racist family in Oklahoma. And there were plenty of people who they interviewed in the 30 for 30 was like, I just did not understand how he thought this was good for him. But it seemed to work out for him. And it was very in it. It was very interesting situation, believe it or not, Um, because he he bonds with the people's like young teenage son while he's living there. You know, but also the family's calling him all kinds of n words. Um, it, it was it was insane. Like I I didn't understand it. Well, it was crazy. Um, so uh, Dr. Comberg also talks about the competition for 
attention comes from a place of emotional depri deprivation. Um, the person fights for fighting for attention isn't trying to get more of a good thing, but they're desperately trying to get enough attention to fill a missing part of themselves. So maybe for Dennis, and it's something that we talked that he mentioned before, his dad walked out when he was like three years old. So his dad walked out when he was three years old. And on top of that, he's constantly tried to search for an identity. Um, he was kind of lost in the shuffle behind his sisters, who were both athletes in their own right um, and were both very so driven, motivated people. So people constantly gave them attention for their accolades and their their professional. I mean, their their professional and basketball uh acumen but he didn't get that he didn't get that same thing he didn't really fit in in those circles until much later but by then a lot of the damage was done um if the person's self-esteem is already brimming it wouldn't be it it wouldn't be worth tearing down someone else for their personal gain but because it feels like they can't survive the fight without the boost of personal reinforcement through attention, they're willing to fight and claw for the emotional need. And obviously, this is something you see in Robin's career all the way down the line is this that, con that constant need for look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Um. It's not, and and the thing, the need for attention is not like it's it's not a necessary thing because it is. It's very much a necessary thing. It's something vital to our existence. Uh, but in some cases, however, there is something missing in your own psyche. Um, the feeling of incompleteness can come from many places. And this is very true. Um, uh, next week, I think, we'll do an episode, no, episode 15. And I've been waiting to do this because I already know what clip I'm going to use in mine. And it's one of my favorite players right now um trauma um neglect emotional hurt and early relationships are common um and we look at that with early relationships um neglect say for you know from a parent who is not physically involved in your life um is a huge part that can leave feelings of incompleteness um also, a person who fights for attention or you aren't are experiencing a, a necessary, a quote-unquote bitchy want, or instead experiencing a deep and painful emotional need. That person does not deserve hatred or even pity. That person deserves empathy and compassion. And I can see that with Rodman. Like, we got to a point where people came absolutely fed up with him, but really and truthfully what he needed from people more than anything was that acceptance and that empathy and compassion that he was really searching for from the attention that he was getting that's why he talked about you know he'd ran he'd run and go do parties with lgbtq people because he felt like he fit in because he was a weirdo like they were and of course this was in the 90s where you know uh being gay and hypermasculinity did not exactly go hand in hand um whether he was seeking validation from all of the different women that he was constantly with or seeking validation from, you know, playing basketball and the accolades and stuff. Because, I mean, dude, Dennis Dirt did. Dennis Rodman is one of the greatest players of all time when it comes to doing the absolute dirty work. You know, there's very few players who did dirty work, dirty work on the court better than Dennis. Um, But you know, that constant need to look and stand out in the crowd eventually became his detriment in a lot of regards uh, with his actions. He was extremely volatile on the court. You know, we, we know that from him kicking the cameraman to him headbutting the referees, ripping his shirt off, um, getting in the face of people constantly. You know, it 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 became his detriment over time. But only compassion and empathy for yourself or for the person who fights for attention can truly plug the leaking hole in the container and eventually allow the water or the attention that they're trying to get from people to reach a level that they need. So 
give yourself a break or give that other person a break. Um, give yourself or give that person a helping hand. Um, eventually, you can stop this attention competition that leaves everybody a loser. So, and I think that attention competition, that compassion and empathy, I think that's what Isaiah was talking about in Detroit is that that's what Dennis absolutely, that's what helped Dennis thrive and be more stable was he found himself in a community in, in a locker room that all those guys are relatively similar age. They were all relatively young and they all like got along in such a way that it was like a very family situation where Chuck Daly was like the father figure that Dennis never really had and that, you know, guys like Isaiah and Joe Dumars and John Sally were like super tight and they were all like brothers with Dennis. But, you know, it it, it all comes to a head that like, you know, Dennis um, finds himself with a loaded rifle in the parking lot of the Palace of Arbor Hills, you know, contemplating whether or not to kill himself but he ends up falling asleep um and john sally talks about it he's like oh i absolutely believed he was going to do it isaiah says he didn't he didn't think that he was but john sally was like oh yeah i definitely think i definitely thought that he had all the plans to go to the palace and kill himself he was like nobody else will say that but i absolutely wholeheartedly believe that that's what dennis was going to do um so let's look at part three Part three, um, attention to failure nixes success. Um, how to forgive faults so that you can move past them. So uh, Dr. Kimberg actually kind of gave some self-disclosure about how blogging and doing this, this series actually was kind of difficult for her because uh, she says that I assume that writing about one small interesting psychological phenomenon of human behavior wouldn't be that difficult. But then I did find it difficult and painstakingly difficult. Uh, and it's similar for me with this podcast is that, yes, I do work in mental health. And yes, I do have a pretty good idea of what I'm talking about and what I'm doing. But man, I also was not prepared to the amount of preparation and work and effort that comes in with working and doing on podcasts and this is funny because i've been listening to my friends for years you know talk about balancing a full-time job and then coming home and podcasting whether it be you know chris or brandon or uh justin um or even wound like i mean i know wound's disabled but like even he he's you know has talked about like how much effort and work it is doing the podcast um um, but Dr. Kemberg also talked about that her patients talk about situations where they're filled of with blame and self-criticism, um, as if the were they better or more competent person, uh, these complicated situations wouldn't exist or wouldn't happen. So, you know, one of the things is that um, she also talks about. What she finds interesting is that often my parent, my patients um, are upset over a situational outcome, but over the very fact that things went wrong. Um, and I think one of my kids has this thing, and it's something he and I have talked about, where he is constantly trying to mitigate the next disaster that comes along, you know, that he finds himself getting things constantly wrong. And he and I had this long conversation the other day with him and his dad um, about and actually, it's a situation that he's kind of in the same way. Where he's trying to find attention and validation, and he's trying to find ways to validate his existence. So Dr. Conberg in this uh, blog post is talking more so about internally validating uh, our situations and recognizing that even sometimes when we think that we're supposed to be elegant and that things are that if we're hurt or we're frustrated or disappointed that there must be fault on somebody um, that it's just okay to be um, all right with whatever the situation may be. Um, she says that um, the belief is, is that if we live our lives carefully and conscientiously enough, we'll be able to avoid life's yuckiness, which just isn't true. 
there's going to be situations where we're constantly going to be faced with difficulty. Um, one thing, um, so if we spend all of our time berating ourselves for unwise decisions, we're not able to look at the situation compassionately. Um, this actually puts us in a position for repeated mishap. Um, so that's actually a thing. I actually will say this, right? So if we don't allow ourselves to um, look at the situation for what it is, um, that so that blame and self-shame doesn't allow us to learn and grow if we spend our time berating ourselves. Like in a situation that Robin found himself in and he ended up getting arrested, he's in retrospect still like still like berating himself is like, you know, it was a stupid decision, which it was a stupid decision, but um berating himself to the point where it's like you should be you definitely should allow yourself the opportunity to cry because you're like very scared and you're you're sad and you're disappointed in yourself. But I mean it is very you know, understandable that a 19-year-old kid, knowing that you were in that much trouble, should be able to cry about it, because that was something to definitely cry about. So, I mean, yeah, he's 50 years old now, and he's, like, you know, still braiding himself for the decision that he made. Um, But it actually puts yourself in position for a repeated re- uh, mishap. Um, We're all responsible for our thoughts and actions, but um, when we expect not to have huge disasters, it leaves us vulnerable to being blindsided uh, by not only the disaster, but the feeling that we have done something horribly wrong. Uh, with that in mind, let's look at these things uh, that she often tells her patients to keep in mind. Accept that no matter how diligent and careful and conscientious you are, you will encounter very upsetting and difficult situations in your life. Some of them may come to you through mistakes of your own doing. That's normal. Um, when you experience or feel something difficult, um, we don't like it, but it happens. It doesn't mean that you're deficient or even that it made that you made some serious blunder. Everyone makes mistakes, even intentional ones. Uh, the first step towards understanding these mistakes is accepting the situation and understanding that it so can happen so that you can learn from it Uh, understand it so that you can learn from it Um, accept sadness and anger or rejection that may accompany these experiences just as you learn to forgive your faults work to accept negative feelings these experiences create feeling bad about feeling bad is a difficult cycle to break out. Telling yourself things are no big deal and that you need to get over it is not helpful. Um, And last thing is when I say accept that life is messy, I don't mean accept that life comes a small organized mess that is frustrating in the moment, uh, but it's quickly solved. Messy means huge piles of Seemingly infinite, gross, and complicated garbage mess. Um, except your messy life requires coming to terms with difficulty as an ongoing element. So that is some different ways that you can kind of look at the mess and look at seeking all that validation externally that we're trying to find. And ultimately flipping it on yourself and looking at validating your own feelings and your own experiences. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit over to um, this topic real quick. Um, and it's something that is very important for Dennis Rodman. Um, and that is why it is important for parents to validate their children. So as a parent... Um, one of the key things is validating is a simple act of letting someone know that his or her experience is real. Um, and one thing I, 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 I can't remember one of my friends posted this on Facebook one day is that when a parent is not there or does not validate the child, then the child has to go on the search of learning how to validate their own experience without having that parent there to 
reinforce and validate their experience, which can be very, very, very difficult. Um, given their experience, their skills, the circumstances of the moment, um, their perspective is understandable. Um, so for parents, so as a parent, our role as a protector and teacher as essentially as essential to helping our children grow um, into successful, happy, and healthy individuals. Consequently, there can be a clash between the two forces of wanting them to grow and being the protector and the teacher. Um, the conflict between slowing down and walking in the shoes of our child who is naive, impulsive, and evolving in their ability to understand and manage their emotions while also wanting to be a good parent who directs, teaches, and prepares a child to face the world can be challenging to navigate. Sometimes we have the urge to just jump in and rescue or solve the problem for our child. Um, to sort this out, it is helpful to clarify what validation is and isn't coming from the, from the perspective of a parent. So here's what validation is, and it speaks a little bit to the situation with Ramen. So validation is listening quiet, quietly, really listening. Silencing the noise in your head, honoring what your child is saying or expressing about their experience, communicating that you can understand your child's experience and restate what they're saying. Um, if you get this right, they'll nod their head, calm down and elaborate further, feeling safe to share their experience. If you get it wrong, you will get more information in their effort to get you to get it. Be curious about all the factors that contribute to their experience. So what validation isn't? Validation is not agreeing, judging, correcting, teaching, or arguing that their experience is wrong. Sometimes as a parent, it is difficult. And I can and I understand this too. It's difficult to validate what your child is experiencing. Um, when we feel like our child is being disrespectful, acting in a way that we don't respect. Um, validating them may be the last thing that we want to do. Um, being unappreciated by our child at moments leaves us wanting to be seen and understood. But here's a couple of guideposts to help um, as a parent. Don't expect your child to validate you. That is your role as a partner, a friend, a therapist, a colleague, or another adult. Well, that's the role for a partner, a friend, a therapist, a colleague, or another adult. Consider validating yourself. Yes, you are working hard, you have good intentions, and are sometimes exhausted and overextended. Your intention does not always line up with your actions. Remember all the times when you have been able to show up as you wish. And then take care of yourself. Self-care is essential. Uh, so that's something for our parents out there. And that's something that that I think well, Robin struggled with as a child and as a as a parent um, has to if he, he didn't feel like his mom validated his experience and ultimately he feels like that he turned that she turned his back on him at different times um, for her. I think it may have been an invalidation that she might not have validated his experience in a lot of ways because I think maybe he came off she came off as trying to teach or correct him. Um, more so than actually validating what he was feeling. But as a parent, he hasn't really been there to validate a lot of his kids' experiences. And he's still trying to figure that out as now a grandfather. Um, and his Hall of Fame speech, he talked about trying to be there more um, as, as a parent and learn how to be there more um, to be there for his kids. So... The last part here, we'll talk about internal validation, and we're going to go do this pretty quick. Um, we'll start wrapping up here. So the last part here is five different ways that we can validate ourselves and be a part of our own support system. So number one is we'll talk about maybe gratitude journals one day, but uh, make a, a you section in your daily gratitude journal. Um, of course, that means if you actually are using a gratitude journal, um, if you don't, you can still take a few minutes to give yourself some credit. 
Note down the things that you've done well, the choices you made that you were proud of, the progress that you made, even the things that required no action at all. For example, the time you gave yourself to simply be. Uh, when you regularly praise yourself, self-validation becomes a habit you can depend on when you need it the most. Number two, before seeking external validation, ask yourself, what do I hope that person tells me? Then tell it to yourself. Odds are you aren't always looking for someone's advice or opinion when you come to them with a painful story. You're looking for them to confirm that uh, confirm you didn't do anything wrong or if you did, that you're not a bad person for it. Essentially, you're looking for someone else to see what the best in you and believe in you. Um, give yourself what you're seeking before making that call. Then, by all means, make it uh, if you want to. The goal isn't to stop reaching for others. Um, it is to be there for yourself. Words you want to hear from someone else can be very powerful if you fully believe what they're saying. Which is that's the thing of you can't really accept um, those things from other people if you're not able to give them to yourselves or you're able you're not able to accept it from yourself. Um, number three, recognize when you're judging your feelings. Um, if you're in the habit of feeling bad about being down or insecure or generally having emotional reactions to emotions, you will um, inevitably end up feeling stuck or helpless. Get in the habit of telling yourself, I have a right to feel this way. This will help you understand your feelings and work through them much more easily because you won't feel so deeply embedded in negativity about yourself. Once you've learned to accept your feelings, then you'll be free to seek support for the actual problem not self-judgment for having to deal with it. Number four, see yourself as the parent to the child version of yourself. Um, I know the homie D is working through this in therapy and that's it's really dope. It's something I wish I could work on with my kids, but you know, they're not at, at that space to be able to look back at their younger version of themselves when they were going through trauma and be able to reparent themselves. So this is definitely something more so with adults that is much more uh, easy to accomplish as a form of uh, therapeutic practice. Um, but many of us don't, didn't receive the type of love and support and kindness we needed growing up. This may have taught us to teach ourselves, to treat ourselves harshly and critically. Uh, when you're looking for that warm, fuzzy feeling that emerges when someone you trust tells you, Everything's going to be okay. Imagine saying it to your younger self. Picture that young kid who who tried so hard, meant no harm, and just wanted to be loved and cherished. Um, this will keep this will likely help in deflating your self-criticism and fill you with a genuine sense of compassion for yourself. Once again, this does not need to be an alternative for seeking compassion from other people. It just provides secure foundation from which you'll be able to better receive that. And last but not least, number five is get in the habit of asking yourself, what do I need right now? Oftentimes we feel very down on ourselves. And I know for myself, um, having a conversation about something I may not have done correctly or if my intentions came off in a different way, getting feeling hard on myself and down on myself um, is something that is very difficult for me um, and kind of punishing myself is something that I've gotten very accustomed to because you know for a lot of reasons um, when we reject or deprive ourselves in a way we exacerbate our feelings uh, because we then feel bad for two things the original incident and the pain we're causing ourselves or other people um, if you're feeling down or down to yourself, ask yourself, what does my body need? What does my mind need? What does my spirit need? Um, or otherwise express, what will make me feel better, more stable, happier, more balanced? Um, 
you find that you may need to take a walk to feel more energized or take a nap to feel better rested. Practice deep breathing to clear your head or drink some water to hydrate yourself. This is validation, validating yourself in action. Whenever you address your needs, you reinforce uh, you reinforce to yourself that you are important, regardless of whatever you did or didn't do previously. Um, also, it is okay to need reminders to validate yourself more. It's okay to have a reminder. There was a time where... Um, this is the author talking. There was a time when I saw something as shameful, saw, saw something shameful and indicated that other people who seemed self-assured were somehow better than me. I wondered why self-kindness didn't always come instinctively. But when I stopped judging myself, I remembered all the experiences that helped me shape my that, that helped shape my critical inner inner voice. Um, it isn't a sign of weakness that I needed to put some effort, put in some effort. It was a sign of strength that I was willing to do it. Um, one of life's great ironies that is, it feels more natural to feel bad about being bad. Um, all it does is keep us stuck. When we stop blaming ourselves for having room to grow, we're free to focus on our energy on doing it. So giving ourselves the opportunity to grow and not judging ourselves for needing the opportunities to grow and needing the opportunities to, you know, not blame ourselves for when we make mistakes helps us actually grow in the long run. Um, so with that being said, we'll end today on the captain's couch of Remind ourselves, take time to say to yourself, hey, what's going on, self? What you need today? How you feeling? You know, do you need to drink some more water? Do you need to hydrate? Do you need to rest? Do you need to call, you know, and just talk to somebody and say, hey, you know, thank you for listening to me? Or do you need to just sit down with yourself and say, hey, you had a rough day today, self. It's okay. You know, your quarterback threw some terrible interceptions again, and, you know, it's going to be okay, though. It's going to be okay. You know, you you, you got another podcast out, and it's, it's going to be all right. You know, people are going to listen to it, and that's going to make you feel better. You know, feel like you're doing something good, you know. But, yeah, it's okay, self. It's, it's going to be okay. We'll, we'll, we'll win football games again soon. But that being said, Thank you so much for listening to the Captain's Couch. However, I do have to say, um, I didn't get any new five-star reviews this week. So, um, Alexa, play Nobody Knows by the Tony Rich Project. Nobody Knows by the Tony Rich Project from Tidal. Yeah. So, yeah, guys, I uh, didn't get any new five-star reviews this week. Um yeah so you know and instead of holding it inside and not telling y'all guys how i feel uh but instead i'm just gonna say that uh yeah i i pretended i'm glad i'm dying inside guys and nobody knows it but me I need five-star reviews, guys. I need reviews. Give them to me, people. Give them. Just like I record this podcast. I'm just crying inside on this couch, y'all. Nobody. So, yeah, so leave reviews, guys. Um, I love to read them on the show. Um, I did get some feedback. Uh, talked to the little bro the other day. He was catching up on the podcast. Um, gave me a little bit of extra insight on Mac Miller um, that um, the Xanax pills that he actually had were laced with fentanyl, and that was the contributing factor to his overdose. Um, you know, Jay works with narcotics, and um, I was interested in a little, little uh extra insight that little bro gave me so i appreciate that appreciate you listening to the show jay love you love you my guy um 
But that being said, thank you so much for listening to the Captain's Couch, guys. We are now available on iHeartRadio. So if you like to listen to radio and podcasts, another one-stop shop, the Captain's Couch is available on iHeartRadio as well. So I'm very happy and excited about that. Um, check the podcast out on Apple Podcasts. I know a lot of you guys are. Um, check the podcast out on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts, um, on Radio Republic, I think CastBox, Overcast. Uh, you need the RSS feed, let me know. Plug it into your podcast catcher. Uh, wherever you find the podcast out at, don't lose this. Leave feedback. Hit your boy up on social media. Love me so that I won't be singing R&B songs again next week. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you next week, guys. Peace. Congregation, would you turn your text to the book about cast? Chapter 2, verse 1, the first one that feel me. Jump up and make a joyful noise, you thou cast it. Meaning, now you have a choice like that. Don't let them patiently, you'll be